Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you doing? We are coming to you audio today. Uh, I've been mentioning the past two days that we are taking steps to get a better internet out here in the wilderness where our new property is. Um, until then, we'll be with you audio, and I'm thrilled to be with you, dear ones. Yesterday, we began Bishop Strickland, uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland's letter, his sixth letter, from his first on August 22nd, when he outlined seven points to combat the um, current synod on synodality, uh, attacking these points. And uh, letter six uh, is dated October 10th. He may have come out with his last one already. He's been coming out with one a week, and each one is better than the one before. This last one on October 10th is on universalism and a very uh, errant, false, and dangerous teaching that's being spread from the Holy Father on the Magisterium that just about anybody could be saved. And that's absolutely against everything our Lord taught. I am the way, he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. God has not willed many religions. He gave his life for the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I'm go- we had to interrupt this letter uh, several times yesterday and only began after the first break. So I'm going to begin now and read it straight through without all the stories I gave yesterday so we can get the, the full sense of it. It's very good. <clears throat> Bishop Strickland says, My dear sons and daughters in Christ, It is an honor and a joy to continue to share the basic truth of our Catholic faith with you as we now delve more deeply into the sixth truth I outlined in my pastoral letter of August 22nd, 2023. Quote, the belief that all men and women will be saved regardless of how they live their lives, which is a constant humanly referred to as universalism, is false and is dangerous as it contradicts what Jesus tells us repeatedly in the gospel. Jesus says we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, Matthew 16. He has given us the way through his grace to victory over sin and death through repentance and sacramental confession. It is essential that we embrace the joy and hope as well as the freedom that come from repentance and humbly confessing our sins. Through repentance and sacramental confession, every battle with temptation and sin can be a small victory that leads us to embrace the great victory that Christ has won for us. End quote. We are all sinners, and we are all in need of a Savior because we are all born into original sin and therefore subject to its consequences. Original sin was the first sin that was committed by our first parents, Adam and Eve, in disobedience of God. 
original sin is now a hereditary stain with which we are all born on account of our descent from Adam and Eve. Thus, original sin is an ongoing privation of God's grace. And because of its effect in our lives, we as humans are born in a state of separation from God. If we were left in this state of original sin, we would be eternally separated from God because nothing unclean will be allowed into heaven. Revelation 21. However, through baptism, God has made a way for us to be justified in him through Jesus Christ alone and to remove not only the stain of the original sin of our first parents, which we carry, but also the stain of all actual sins that we ourselves commit. And for our sins after we have been baptized, God has given us the sacrament of reconciliation, also called confession or penance, in order to allow us to repent and be cleansed of the stain of our sins. From the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we read that, quote, sin is an offense against God. Against you, you alone have I sinned, said King David, and done that which is evil in your sight. Sin sets itself against God's love for us and turns our hearts away from it. Like the first sin, it is disobedience, a revolt against God through the will to become like God's, knowing and determining good and evil. Sin is thus love of oneself, even to contempt of God. In this proud self-exaltation, sin is diametrically opposed to the obedience of Jesus, which achieves our salvation. Catechism 1850. Bishop Strickland goes on to say, that first sentence is packed with deep theological insight. Sin is an offense against God. Consider that God is infinitely good and holy, and he is infinite love. Thus, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, in his Summa Theological, when we sin, we sin against the infinite, and thus our sins are infinitely offensive to him. Now, a sin which is committed, says St. Thomas Aquinas, a sin which is committed against God is infinite because the gravity of a sin increases according to the greatness of the person sinned against. Thus, it is a more grievous sin to strike the sovereign than a private individual. And God's God's greatness is infinite. Therefore, an infinite punishment is due for a sin committed against God. I spent quite a time on this yesterday uh, on a personal illustration of that, that our smallest venial sin is greater um, than someone's horrible sin against us. Our smallest venial sin against an all-holy God is greater than someone's horrible sin against us who are sinners. Bishop Strickland continues, in our current society, which is so afflicted with the errors of moral relativism, the temptation is all too strong to look at the weight of sin from a human perspective rather than from the divine perspective. We make excuses for our sins, explaining the things we do are not all that bad. Further, the temptation exists to presume upon the mercy of God, assuming that surely a loving and merciful God 
will overlook our disobedience and failures, even if we do not seek forgiveness because he is infinitely merciful. This line of thinking sometimes progresses to our assuming that salvation will ultimately be offered to all people simply because God is infinitely merciful and therefore all men will be saved. This is the error of universalism. This error could lead one to ask, what then is the point of conversion of heart to Jesus Christ? Why bother following Christ at all? This is extremely dangerous as it prevents us from seeing the need for true and authentic repentance. It is a deadly indifference that imperils our immortal souls and puts us at eternal risk of separation from God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6. Although God does make an accommodation for our weak and fallen nature, that accommodation is through the sacraments of baptism and reconciliation. That is, sacramental confession, which move us into a right relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, through whom alone our salvation comes. Oh, dear ones, I'm so tempted to stop and comment on every other sentence uh, of Bishop Strickland. Every sentence is gold, and I, I would love to expand on it, but if if I take that time, we will not uh, get through this letter today, and um, I want to do that since we began it yesterday, so I'll just continue reading through. Sin damages our relationship with God and cuts us off from sharing his life of grace. And we cannot restore this life of grace ourselves as we are finite beings with only finite capabilities. And the one whom we have offended through sin is infinite. We are not capable of making infinite reparations. Thus, we can only reestablish a life of grace through the one who is infinite. He alone is capable of restoring life. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for human beings, this is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. Matthew 19. Salvation comes by Jesus alone. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation comes by Jesus alone. The saving grace that Jesus Christ won for us on the cross is a free gift from God that man receives through repentance, faith, and baptism. Once we are baptized into Christ, it is through repentance and sacramental confession that every battle with temptation and sin can be a small victory that leads us to embrace the great victory that Christ has won for us. Ah, dear ones, I hear the music for the first break. Um, we will continue with this when we come back. And again, I'm, I'm resisting the temptation to give further explanation to do a break things down. If you have any questions on any part of this, call in during our second half hour toll-free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small t tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, we're going to continue reading Bishop Joseph Strickland's um, letter, uh, number 10, on universalism and the errors and the dangers of it. Um, I continue now with Bishop Strickland's words. A key word I would like us to reflect on in this discussion is metanoia. This Greek word means change in one's way of life resulting from penitence or spiritual conversion. This change lies at the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And while it involves an initial choice to turn around and follow Christ, metanoia actually denotes a way of life that seeks constant change to follow Jesus Christ more fully and more profoundly. Many of the stories of the greatest saints involve a profound metanoia. St. Augustine, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Mag- Mary Magdalene, St. Teresa Benedicta, to name only a few. I don't not because I'm a saint, um, I'm not Catholic, um, but um, my, my um, conversion was no less than Paul falling off a horse. Total change. 
scriptures say, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And I was indeed a new creation. Bishop Strickland continues, their stories involve a dramatic turn from sin and a clear choice to be forever changed and to follow Jesus Christ. The drama of their moments of conversion are then followed by a lifetime of turning more fully to the sacred heart of Jesus and more completely away from sin. Now that we have examined the great, the great danger in universalism and in denying that the price of sin is eternal separation from God, unless we embrace the call to repentance of sin and living in the way of Jesus Christ, how do we move into the joy and the hope as well as the freedom that comes from true repentance and turning to Christ? In the simplest of terms, the answer to how we go about this is to live out our Catholic faith in word and sacrament. The word of God contained in the sacred scriptures nurtures us throughout this journey and points us always to truth and the sacraments instituted by Christ himself offer us encounters with God's grace that strengthen us along the way, changing us from sinner to saved. As we deepen our understanding of the sacraments, and in particular, the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and reconciliation, also called confession or penance, we are drawn more deeply into the metanoia we are all called to embrace. These three sacraments in particular build on one another as our relationship with Jesus Christ grows. While the church acknowledges that God is sovereign and therefore he is not bound to dispensing his grace through the sacraments alone, we recognize that the sacraments are essential for the Christian life and are the ordinary means that God has given us so that we may receive sanctifying grace and the salvation he won for us on the cross. Baptism, of course, is the necessary sacrament of our initial repentance, conversion, and incorporation into the Christian life. It frees us from original sin and gives us sanctifying grace, allowing us to share his life and love. A beautiful and essential element of the church's teaching is the indelible, that means permanent character, that baptism confers on a person. One can never be unbaptized. Once you're baptized, you cannot be unbaptized. Um, in the Nicene Creed, we recite at Mass, we confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. The great consolation here is that once configured to Christ, we can always return to him, no matter how far we have wandered away in our sinfulness. If only we repent and confess our sins, thus baptism permanently configures us to Christ and gives us the grace to live this new relationship. We're almost, uh, I think we're going to make it, beloved. I'll just continue reading so we reach the end of Bishop Strickland's wonderful letter. He continues, confirmation is most profoundly a strengthening of the original gift of life in the Holy Spirit that we receive at baptism. Pentecost, as described in the Acts of the Apostles, 
can be understood as the confirmation of the apostles in the Holy Spirit. And we can see clearly the spiritual strength they received as they formed the church in her beginnings. We are blessed with the very same gifts of the Holy Spirit when we are confirmed. And this sacrament gives us the strength to constantly turn from sin and grow closer to the sacred heart of Christ. Finally, the sacrament of reconciliation or confession or penance can be described as the sacrament of continuing metanoia. We all stumble in sinfulness and are called to humbly confess our sins and strive for deeper holiness. In our ongoing journey of faith, the sacrament of reconciliation is of critical importance, and we all need to understand that it is a loving encounter with the same Jesus Christ who we receive in the Eucharist. The beauty of this sacrament is that it expresses God's abundant mercy and emphasizes that he never takes pleasure in the death of the wicked, but constantly gives them the opportunity to turn from their ways and live. Ezekiel 33. As the Catechism states, those who approach the sacrament of penance obtain pardon from God's mercy for the offense committed against him and are at the same time reconciled with the church which they have wounded by their sins and which by charity, by example, and by prayer labors for their conversion. As we face the challenges in the world and the church today, and in particular with the confusion of the synod on synodality, raging even as I write this, Bishop Strickland says, let us be reminded that there is only one way to eternal life. Quote, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. Our Lord also tells us plainly that not all will be saved. Quote, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, it is imperative that we remain firmly anchored to the sacred deposit of faith and reject any idea which would deviate from the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church. And this includes any who, in the name of ecumenism or dialogue, would promote the error of universalism or attempt to offer a way of salvation other than through Jesus Christ and his church. The tragic temptation to eviscerate the meaning of his life through a so-called universalism that renders him meaningless is a great manifestation of the evil we face today. Let us reject the notion that all are saved with no need for metanoia and instead embrace the wondrous metanoia God offers us only through his son. We have been given, we've been given the greatest and most precious gift imaginable. Let us recognize that gift and share it with a world that is so desperately in need of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In conclusion, let us rejoice and be glad because God loves us and calls us to himself. He built a bridge in the shape of a cross so that our sin would not keep us separated from him. And he gave us the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and reconciliation. 
so that we may cross that bridge and be adopted into the family of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was conceived in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, was born in Bethlehem, lived and taught among us, suffered and died for us, and rose from the dead. He did all of this to free us from sin and death and to offer us the opportunity to gain everlasting life with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the good news, and we must joyfully share it with the world. May Almighty God, the bishop says, may Almighty God bless you, my brothers and sisters, and may we continue to grow stronger in faith and turn our hearts always to Jesus Christ, who is our salvation, remaining your humble father and servant, most Reverend Joseph E. Strickland, Bishop of Tyler. We have about two minutes, beloved, before the break. There's so much we could talk for a full week I'm just expanding on this letter. Um, but I do invite you to call in if you have any questions, any doubts, any confusion, any misunderstanding. Perhaps you're looking into the Catholic Church. Maybe you're an evangelical Protestant. Maybe you're Jewish. Maybe you're atheist. Maybe you're a fallen away Catholic. Maybe you're Muslim. Whoever you are, I invite you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. I don't always have the answer or all the answers, but there are so many resources that we can point to to, to bring you further um, to the fullness of the answer. So call in, beloved. Again, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross. Dot com. Um, when we come back, um, we will take your calls and your emails. Um, our lines are wide open. Um, and beloved, anytime you hear a bishop, the Pope himself, anyone teaching otherwise than what you just heard from Bishop Strickland, because everything is backed up by scripture, the catechism, the tradition, the official teaching of the church. If you hear anything else from anyone, look it up, because the fact that someone is a bishop or a cardinal or a pope or a layperson or a teacher or anything else does not mean that they speak the truth. If it contradicts the teaching of the Catholic Church, it is false. Um, and don't be intimidated by a priest or uh, who says something to you in the confessional that you think is wrong. Maybe you're going to the confessional and you're living with someone um, outside of marriage and you go to confess your sin, but you don't intend to leave that person. And, the, and, the, and you say to the, the priest, but we do intend to get married. And the priest says to you, oh, then it's okay, don't worry about it. Well, he's wrong, and he cares nothing about your soul because his answer will lead you to hell if you obey it. There is something wrong. Any sexual relationship, any amount of intimacy outside of marriage is a mortal and grave sin and puts you and the person you claim to love on the road to hell. Um, Jesus died for these truths. They cannot be taken lightly. God bless you, dear ones. We'll be right back after the break.
I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. And by far the most transforming aspect of this experience was simply coming into the direct knowledge that God himself not only knew me by name, but had been paying attention to me as though I were the only creature he had ever created. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I'm a widower, parent of three almost adults, and listen to you guys around the clock. Father McTigg, Society of Jesus, he's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things that Station of the Cross does. So thanks very much for your great work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started, and I was so excited I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed, by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live. I am we're coming to you audio today, trying to work out the uh, uh, video and internet. So I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour all to ourselves. Our lines are open and you're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, one 511 That's fine. I don't want to talk to anyone driving on the phone. I don't want to be responsible for an accident. And neither do I. So, no, I'm in my driveway at home. Good girl. But I was listening before and didn't want to get off. All right, sister or mother, what I would like to know is how do I get copies of Bishop Strickland's letters that you have been reading to us? Okay, very simple. Uh, Bishop Strickland has his own website, bishopstrickland.com, and you will find all his letters there. 
all his letters there, and he got them in English and Spanish. Uh, ultimately, you could go to the Diocese of Tyler and find Bishop Strickland's letters, all of them, on there as well. And you can download them, print them out, do anything you wish with them. Wonderful. I have been following the Synod um, since its conception, almost, and I have read every book I can get by, um, including the uh, the um, Synod on Synodality and uh, a Pandora's box. I would recommend good that to you. all of your readers. So, yes, right, very, very good. And I read the preface by Cardinal Burke to that on the air. Oh, good. Yes, I think I missed yeah. that, but I'm so glad I've been buying and handing out copies to people in my parish. So Very important. I'm, I'm doing my best, but uh, there's so much more people need to know. And I thank you for what you're doing, Mother. Thanks, dear Judith. And I wish everybody would do it. Uh, buy that book, the Senator Pandora's Box, and hand it out to as many people as you can. It's very good. We need to be aware of the false teaching that's being perpetrated on us with the aim to change the church. And we cannot let that happen. So good for you, Judith. God bless you, dear one. Thank you. God bless you, too, dear. Bye-bye. Thank you. We have an email from Tim. Tim says, Pope St. John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, seemed to suggest on numerous occasions that Christians and Muslims worship the same God, the God of Abraham, the creator and merciful judge of all. <clears throat> Recently, Cardinal Burke came out with a pretty definitive statement that he did not think that Muslims believe in the same God that we do, explaining that the God of Islam is a governor and that Sharia is their law, and that law, which comes from Allah, must dominate every man eventually. The Cardinal seems to be contradicting what Vatican II stated about the relationship between Christianity and Islam. To me, if we were really worshiping the same God, then it would be okay for us to worship in a mosque and for a Muslim to worship in a Catholic church. It's confusing. I would like to hear your take on all of this. Good for you. Um, Tim, my take on all of this is the church's stance. Vatican II um, has brought through, brought, for, brought forth tremendous confusion um, and some false teaching. Uh, I absolutely love Pope St. John Paul II. Um, I love him, I, um, and um, he's probably the most ecumenical pope in history. Um, that's his whole heart, ecumenism. Uh, because he wanted it to unite everybody in the one true faith, and he term he describes excuse me I'm fumbling here he described ecumenism correctly not to unite uh, while still holding different truths you 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 cannot unite if you don't have the same truth that would be false unity. But he said the real purpose of ecumenism is to truly respect the other person enough to find out what they believe and to, uh, to take truth. Truth is truth wherever it is. And to take truth from what they believe and lead them as much as possible to the full 
fullness of truth in the Catholic Church. I think we have an example of that in Acts chapter 17, where the apostle uh, went up to Mars Hill and he saw soldiers uh, worshiping the false god, or rather unknown god, and he said to them, let me tell you who this unknown god is, and led them to Christ. Some believed, some did not. But that's the that's a Cuban, the fact that they both believed in a God does not mean they believe in the same God. There's only one God. Allah is not God. There's no such person as Allah. Uh, there's a God of our imagination, of our making, but there's only one true God. But when I find people who worship false gods, what they believe is God, I want to at least uh, acknowledge that they believe that there's a creator, a source, and help them to understand who the true God is. Um, and I will say with Cardinal Burke, um, not what I think, but what I know, Christians and Muslims do not worship the same God. And you're right, Tim. If they did, we could worship in a mosque and they could worship in a Catholic church. No such thing. They do not worship the same God. In fact, um, they, they say, let's see, um, uh, the God of Abraham, however, the, the creator and merciful judge of all, you say, Tim. But Muslims do not believe in mercy. They do not believe in grace. And um, they believe in a stern, stern judge who will rule and kill. Um, it's not the God of Abraham. The, the true God of Abraham is the triune God of Abraham, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Abraham had two sons, Esau and uh, Isaac and, and Ishmael, rather, Isaac and Ishmael. And the true line of the true God, of the true faith, of the Messiah, would go through uh, Isaac, not through Ishmael. And through Ishmael came all the false religions. Um, and so, again, Isaac had two children, Jacob and Esau. And it was through Jacob that the Messianic line and the truth of the God of Abraham would continue. So the fact that we worth, uh, uh, we both worship the God of Abraham is not true because we see the God of Abraham as two different gods. One is the God who is, one is the God of someone's making. And so um, um, the Cardinal may be contradicting Cardinal Burke, what Vatican II is about the relationship Christianity and Islam, but uh, then Vatican II is wrong, not just in that case, but in others as well. Um, and Tim, you are correct. Uh, we do not worship the same God. Uh, and um, uh, we need to bring Muslims and any other, any other human being into the worship of the true and triune God of Abraham. Okay, now. Um, hold on just a moment. We have an email from Walt, and Walt says, what do you think of the secularization of Christmas? Well, if we secularize Christmas, we're celebrating a, a holiday, or we've, we've degraded it from a holy day. We've made it a human holiday, which has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. He says, is there a good way to fight it? Often people start setting up and getting 
quote, in the Christmas spirit, end quote, during Advent. And then the day after Christmas dropped all acknowledgement of the celebration, even though the Christmas season just started. Is there a way to culturally fix this? There is a way. It's a way I've been longing for a world for years. But it's going to take a few years to put this into effect. If Christians, and particularly Catholic Christians, would only do this, we do it. Christmas begins Christmas Eve. Um, the first Sunday in Advent, which begins the season of Advent, the month prior to Christmas, um, I think this year is December 3rd. I have to confirm that. Um, Advent is the acknowledgement, the celebration, the study, the period of penance for sins in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. There should be no shopping. There should be no Christmas lights. There should be no Christmas parties or celebrations. If we're true Catholics, we should be having, everything should be in purple, and we should be fasting during the month uh, as much as we can. We should be doing penance. It should be a somber time of preparing for the coming of the Lord. In Israel, when the Lord was to speak to people from Mount Sinai, um, the people of Israel were instructed by Moses to, to fast, to refrain from marital relations, to um, cleanse themselves in every way, to prepare to stand at a distance from the mountain, not touch it. If they touch it, they would die. But at a distance from the mountain, God would suffer. Um, they wouldn't hear him. Only Moses could speak to him. Uh, zero. And now we celebrate the coming of the Lord. Now we know he came 2,000 years ago, and this is the annual cycle that begins. Advent is our new year, and we live the cycle walking with Christ through the year. But we know that he already came. But how will our children ever learn that? How will our children ever learn it if we don't believe it, if we don't truly live um, uh, the coming of Christ. Um, it's, it shouldn't be secular, Walt. Uh, I, I love your heart and your question. Um, this, we're not going to hold the secular world and the stores that do 25% of their sales at Christmas time from doing all that. But we, if we want to buy everything ahead of time, purchase it after Christmas is completely over, which is February 2nd, the... Um, um, presentation of our Lord in the temple. Uh, after that, February 2nd, you can buy, take advantage of all the Christmas sales for the next year. Or if you go now in the stores, it's October, it's all decorated for Christmas. Buy everything now. But don't shop during Advent and fast during Advent. And you can put all your lights in place but don't turn them on. Can you imagine what would happen? I've said this before. I long for it. If all the Christmas lights were in place, but you didn't have them on, and Christmas Eve, when our Lord comes to earth, every Catholic in the world would flip the switch and everything would light up, and the world would be shocked. What happened? What happened? And we'd say, God came. The Son of God came to earth. That's what happened. It's Christmas.
It's the mass of the Christ. Christ's mass. That's what it is. And the world will never know that until we decide to live that. It's a sacrifice. Why isn't your house pretty? Why isn't it lit up? You know, we come with cakes and cookies and Christmas candies all through Advent. We do not respect the coming of the Lord. We do not live the liturgical year. And the world will not be converted and learn what we believe unless we live it. Walt, I appreciate your email very, very much. Um, uh, we will. There's our music for our final break, dear ones. We'll be back after the break, and we'll have a good 10 minutes still to take your calls and your emails. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back. Join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, this is our last segment. We've got 10 minutes. Our lines are open yet, and uh, you are most welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Um, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, hold on. I just have to get one thing here. Okay. 
Hold on one moment. I'm sorry about that. I'm looking something up for you. Okay. We have an email. Let me just see now. Actually, we do have a call from Deborah in Massachusetts. She's not on the line at the moment. Um, and um, uh, not Catholic, actually, but she has a um, very serious uh, situations, multiple in her life, and is asking for our prayers. Um, she's facing some very difficult things. So I ask everybody there, uh, everybody out there, to pray for Deborah. Okay. Um, God bless you for doing that. We have an email from Louis, or Louis, L-O-U-I-S, and Louis says, in conversation with my evangelical friends, the topic frequently arises as to what the, quote, signs of the true church, end quote, might be, especially in regard to sacred worship. Now, we know that the signs of the Catholic one holy Catholic and apostolic, those four signs, one holy Catholic and apostolic. And if anyone wants to find out and to expand on that and find out what that truly means and encompasses, the simplest and most accurate, wonderful book I've ever read on that is by Frank Sheed, Sheed and Ward Publishers, Frank Sheed, S-H-E-E-D, and it's titled One Holy Catholic and Apostolic, The Four Marks of the Church. Lewis says, my understanding is that we Catholics do what we do in the holy sacrifice of the Mass because we have reason to believe that it is the way the Church founded by Jesus Christ conducted itself. Absolutely, no question at all. In response, my study Calvary brought through time and down on every 
altar. It doesn't squash the movement of the Holy Spirit. It is the movement of the Holy Spirit. Lewis says, they highlight how Corinthians describe people speaking out in tongues and others providing the interpretation of the same, while others offer a word of prophecy and other manifestations of the Holy Spirit, all in no particular order. On the other hand, not only do such things not happen in the course of a regular Mass, you are right, and they may not may may not happen during the Mass. It seems undeniable that even if they were to do so, our average Catholic congregation would be absolutely scandalized. Any advice on how I can explain this to my friends? Yes, you tell him that 1 Corinthians 14 has nothing to do with the Mass at all. Absolutely nothing to do with the Mass. He's explaining, again, the love he, he goes on, 1 Corinthians 12, it's a whole um, theme put together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God distributes to everyone, to whom he wills. And he goes on to say, chapter 13, it doesn't matter if I have all the gifts, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And in chapter 14, um, if I have the gifts, they need to use them. They're not self-centered. They are for the building up the body, not for me, but for others. They need to be used properly. Properly. That's the issue. There's nothing to do with the church service, nothing to do with the Mass. Tell your friend that is not the Mass. If he wants a description of the Mass, let him get Scott Hahn's book, The Lamb's Supper of the Mass in Revelation. And let him read uh, John chapter 6 um, and, um, and, and to describe the Mass. I'm, I'm trying to get good resources for him. But um, many descriptions of the Mass. Let him read the early church fathers, Polycarp, discipled by uh, John uh, the Beloved. All of that. And he'll learn what the Mass is. Go to Catholic.com and read the quotes of the, of the early church fathers, not of 1500, but of the year 100, the first and second centuries, um, and let him understand what the Mass is. Okay, Lewis, I hope in some way that helped. Um, okay, let me see. Um, Okay, um, we have an email from Michael, and we're just almost at the end of our program, but let me read it. Have you heard the allegations that Rabbi Rob Shlomo Yehuda is the Antichrist? Because many Jews in Israel think he might be the Messiah. I've not heard that. I've heard of other rabbis, Schlierman and others, that were thought to be the Messiah. In fact, when Rabbi Schlerman died, the Jews waited three days for him to come out of the grave because they understand the prophecy of the Old Testament. But to this day, he has not risen. Um, and so, no, I haven't heard of this. I can look him up. Uh, Michael says, I myself don't think he really is the Antichrist, but some people really do suspect him. Even if you're not familiar with this particular person, could you please give us some details on who and what the Antichrist is supposed to be according to the teaching and opinion, teaching and opinion of the church? 
it certainly feels like those days are getting closer and closer. There's a wonderful book that was a favorite of St. Therese of Lisieux, and it's called The End of the World. It's still in print. You can get it uh, on the website, on the Internet. The End of the World. He describes well all the events that are to take place. Um, and we are getting near the end time. How near we are, I don't know. It is widely believed that the Antichrist could be Jewish. Um, he could either be a Catholic Pope, he could be Jewish. Uh, many, many studies and thoughts have made. But at this point, I, we don't know, or I can't say for sure. Um, but the book, The End of the World, or The End of the Present World, is recommended reading. God bless all of you, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow.